Thank you everybody for coming to uh, to join and to learn with us this evening. Um, thanks as well to the people that have their uh, cameras turned on. I appreciate that. Uh, so that I'm not talking to a, uh, a dark screen. I know it requires a little bit of uh, bravery. I could copy and paste the link into my browser if that works. Uh, I'm going to try and do that. That's a good suggestion. Okay, when we get up to when we get up to there, people are giving me helpful suggestions. Okay, um, so tonight, uh, actually, already in Eretz Yisrael, um, Yom Hazikaron has begun. I know that we were talking about Hala last week, uh, which was apropos coming off of uh, coming off of Pesach and going into going into a Rosh Chodesh. But I want to spend some time talking about a particular capital that I think is very relevant to Yom HaZikaron, um, and I hope you'll see why. Uh, this particular capital is one, uh, again, like everything that just preparing for the shirim is doing for me, is that it's one that we say roughly all the time, uh, except, for, except for certain cases and certain days. It's a capital of Tehillim that's worked its way into almost every single Nusach, um, and it's Kapitol Chaf, Perak Chaf in Tehillim, and uh, we know it as the Kapitol that's sandwiched in between Asher Yenuvalitzion at the end of our davening, the part of davening that, uh, that the Kabbalists call Yeridas HaShefa, after one goes ahead and experiences uh, the uplift of Ashmona Esrei, so then we experience the cascading sense of uh, divinity, of bracha that is showered upon us. Uh, we go down the mountain, uh, as it were. There's always a go down Moses moment whenever we, uh, whenever we experience any sort of spiritual moment. And we say Laminatzeach. There are days, uh, according to, uh, to all Nuschos, that Laminatzeach is omitted. Uh, that's uh, days, for example, that there is no Tachnan, however, for Ashkenazim, for Sfard, and for uh, Chabad. I'm pretty sure that it's not said on any day that Tachnan isn't said, but in classic Nusach Ashkenaz, uh, it's also not said on days of full joy. That means that there are days in which lamin- there won't be Tachnun and there will be Laminatzeach, but more often than not, uh, when there's no Tachnun, there won't be Laminatzeach. And as you shall see, the reason, uh, the reason why is not eminently clear. It's not a particularly sad capital uh, Tehillim. It's not tragic, but it's one that requires a tremendous amount of COVID Rosh, a degree of... Um, heavy-headedness when considering the themes of this rather short capital of Tehillim, uh, but is Mechel, but it includes uh, very, very heady themes of what it means to go out to battle and what it means to uh, to go out to battle in the name of Hashem. Um, and that's why I thought this would be very apropos to learn this particular capital of Tehillim, very apropos for Yom HaZikaron. Uh, just a prefatory remark about Yom HaZikaron, um, as I'm sure the people who've heard me before know that I have to tell everybody ad nauseum because I need to at least rely on something good I've done in my life. Um, so I, I served in the Israeli army for about two years. And, uh, and even though I'm in America now for a long time, uh, there is no day, I was speaking to a few of the Israelis in our shul yesterday, there is no day that I feel more connected uh, to Israel. There's no day that I feel more distant from Israel uh, than on Yom HaZikaron. Uh, and 
part of the conversation last night got to the direction that I think that of all the newer holidays, the Chagei Iyar, um, that, that some sections of the Jewish community observe, Yom HaShoah, Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaAtzmut, Yom Yerushalayim. So all of them are significant and, and all of them are important, uh, especially to those who, uh, who, whose idea of Judaism includes these days on their sacred calendar. But for me, one of them stands above the others. Yom HaShoah is, is different. I, I, maybe, maybe it's because of how closely impacted my own family is. Uh, my dad would say that every day is Yom HaShoah when your uh, grandparents and parents are Holocaust survivors. There is a lot of truth to that. Um, and Yom Yerushalayim, with its exuberance, and the special nature of the miracle that is celebrated in Yom Yishalayim and Yom Atzmud are very special days. But Yom Azikaron takes a higher, a higher level. And I think the reason is because as the TV in Israel and memorials around the world will cycle through the names of Jews and non-Jews that have fallen in defense of the state of Israel and the Jewish people or victims of terror all throughout the world, and there's a sense that a nation in its fledgling stages, the state of Israel as nations go is quite young, that the focus on loss and the focus on sacrifice and making sure that we respect sacrifice properly is something that is the glue, I think, that holds together uh, all future sacrifices. There shouldn't be any. But this notion of reverence for what people do and the kedusha, the sanctity of life, is something that I think gives meaning. It, it allows us to celebrate on Yom Atzmod. It allows us to celebrate on Yom Hazikaron. And it allows us to appreciate um, the, the miracle that is the modern state of Israel and Shivat Zion and the fact that Torah is being learned now in the land of Israel in ways that it hasn't been learned since the destruction of the Bate Mikdash. Um, the, the miracles that we're seeing in our day and age and I think that's all founded upon uh, Yom Hazikaron. And in looking for a capital of Tehillim that references battle and references going out to battle and the fears that a soldier may have when going out to battle, that is, um, that is something that is really important to talk about. And of course, David HaMelech, Le'a Shalom, David HaMelech, King David, besides being a poet, was also a warrior and was also somebody that was Nilcham Hamas Hashem. I've uh, mentioned in, in previous forums that David HaMelech was told by the Navi Nasan. We talked about this a few weeks ago. David HaMelech was told by the Navi Nasan that he's not going to build the Beis HaMikdash. In the beginning, actually, Nasan HaNavi tells David HaMelech that he can actually do what he wants. Uh, but David HaMelech demurs at the time. And then Nasan HaNavi gives him the final, the final ruling that he will not build the Beis HaMikdash, that it will be his son, Shlomo HaMelech, that will build the Beis HaMikdash. And the reason given is because David HaMelech's hands have been filled up with blood. That David HaMelech's hands are, are, are blood spattered. And the question is, where are they blood spattered from? So David HaMelech's hands are blood spattered from the wars. Hashem, That he fought the wars of God. And so many commentators ask, I don't understand. David HaMelech was risking his life. He was mecharif nefesh to save and to, and to protect the Jewish people. So how could it be that because doing that, because following God's directives is going to prevent David HaMelech from building the Beis HaMikdash? That doesn't make sense. So the common answer that's given is that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides to eventually destroy the temple, as HaKadosh Baruch Hu was fully aware of, Kivyachal, 
that it would be destroyed. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for all intents and purposes, took out his wrath on sticks and stones of the edifice of the temple. And the commentaries continue and say that had it been David HaMelech, this person who risked his life to defend and protect the Jewish people and to expand the gvulos, the borders of Eretz Yisrael, if David HaMelech would have been the one to have built it with those hands that were calloused and bloodstained from battle, then HaKadosh Baruch would have never been able to destroy the temple. And paradoxically, it would have resulted in the destruction of the people instead. If you, could, if you could imagine such a thing. So David HaMelech's being Mecharef Nefesh to save the Jewish people was actually what prevented him from building the Beis HaMikdash according to that line of reasoning. So David HaMelech was surely a warrior. We find David HaMelech very early on. We find David HaMelech doing battle with Goliath. And David HaMelech comes, Goliath says to Goliath, says to David, you can't, am I a dog that you've come to me with sticks? What are you going to do to me? And David HaMelech responds to Goliath on the battlefield with the saber rattling and the fear of this. David HaMelech responds to Goliath, a theme that's going to characterize our understanding of this particular capital that animates this chapter of Tehillim, which is David HaMelech says, you come, with your, you come with your legions and your giant and your warlord. He says, but I come with the name of Hashem. I come with the name of Hashem. And because I come with the name of Hashem, I'm not afraid of you in battle. And that is the theme, I think, that throughout David HaMelech's wars, when David HaMelech goes out to battle, and really every uh, Jewish soldier and officer, when they go out to battle from time immemorial, not only is it uh, a war where it's one army against the other, but on a deeper level, it's the representation of a worldview going up against another worldview. Whether it was, whether it was going up against the armies of Sisra, the Plishtim, uh, Amalek, Whoever it was that we did battle with, the notion in Tanakh is that the battle is being done not just between two armies, between two human armies, but that one army is carrying the banner of God, that it's an ideological war more than anything else, and that's the reason the war is happening. We also know that Jewish thought and halacha distinguishes between two different kinds of battles. The first kind of battle is called the Melchemes Mitzvah. That's a war of mitzvah purposes. And the classic definition of a Melchemist mitzvah, a war of commandment. So an obligatory war, if you will. So the common definition of that is Lahatzil Yisrael Miyadzar, to save the Jewish people from the hand of an enemy. And certainly one can characterize this many, uh, many, Many poskim, including Rav Avadi Yosef, have characterized the wars of Israel uh, nowadays as being Muhammad's mitzvah. Lahatsu Yisrael Miyatsar, surely in the Six Day War, Yom in Muhammad Yom Atzma'ut, Muhammad Yom Akipurim, all of these wars, uh, the express purpose was to protect Jewish lives from whatever it would be, whether it was terrorist incursions from Lebanon or whether it was uh, Egyptian armies. Uh, getting ready to annihilate the state, their Syrian armies preparing to come cascading down from the Golan. All of these wars function as Muhammad's mitzvah. There's another kind of battle in Jewish thought and in halacha, which is called the Muhammad's rishos. That is a volitional war. A volitional war is anything including expanding uh, the boundaries for commercial purposes, like other nations, expanding the boundaries of the state of Israel, all of those things would characterize as Muhammad's mitzvah. This distinction will figure prominently in our study of the rest of this year. I want to, I want to go ahead and read, I'm, I'm going to share my screen with everybody, and, and with that introduction, we're going to take a look. You could see I've, uh, I've marked up 
Uh, I called the shir a psalm before battle. Um, I forgot to mention just a quick story, if you will. I'm going to stop the share for a second. A quick story, if you'll allow me. Um, I remember one time being afraid in the army um, when I was there. We had, um, we had finished uh, the first half of our tour in Ramallah, and we were sent down to the south um, for what was supposed to have been the first Gaza war. This is if I recall, this is 2000 and this is 2007, early 2007. And they had told us that we were going to get ready for an incursion. Uh, we had practiced uh, in a, uh, a mock-up of one of the cities in, in Gaza. And we were lined up, us and San Hanim and the paratroopers were lined up. And we were going to be the first Khativa uh, together with the tank division that was going to enter. And uh, we sat for three days in a field. Uh, awaiting the orders, uh, awaiting um, really what was going to be the first incursion into Aza, uh, really since the Hitnat Kut, really since uh, Jewish communities there were uprooted. And I was one of very, very few religious soldiers in our unit. Um, but I do remember that for the first time, and the army is all jokes the whole time, 18-year-olds, uh, 19-year-olds, um, there's no women around, there's, it's, it's uh, as dirty as you can imagine, it's as prussed as you can imagine, uh, I, I, can't, I can't lie and paint it in this magical light, there's surely magical things that happen there, and incredible things, and relationships are built, and, uh, and it's children, essentially, that are risking their lives and sacrificing some of their best years uh, to, to, to perform compulsory military service, but uh, there, it's very rare to find a serious moment unless somebody's yelling at you. And for the first time, uh, by the second night that we were in these fields, uh, just getting ready to enter in, uh, getting ready to uh, go in. I wonder if I could actually, if you'll allow me, I could even show you a picture um, from that time. Uh, I wonder if I could find it. I'll continue telling the story right now. But essentially, as we're sitting there, uh, a quiet starts to descend upon everybody. Uh, quiet starts to uh, descend. Uh, here you go. I'm going to show you a quick picture if you'll allow me, just because it's uh, Yom HaZikaron. So this is what it looked like during the daytime, if you'll allow me. This is what it looked like during the daytime. Uh, that's my sergeant over there, and that's me. And we were lined up in these fields outside of Gaza in these tanks like this. And we have smiles and we're tough and everything. Um, but at nights, it would get quite... Uh, silent. And I remember uh, seeing everybody start to reach, you know, the people from traditional Sephardic families would go ahead and find whatever sgulot they had been given, or uh, some other people would go ahead and, and, and try and uh, get a call in to their parents. And, uh, and, and, and some of us said to Hillen, some of us said to Hillen, because what else do you do when you're feeling a, a fear or when you're feeling trepidation or you're encountering the unknown when you're going into the unknown. And, um, and that's why when you go ahead and understand this particular capital as I've done today, I'm never going to look at it the same way because it truly is a psalm before battle. So let's take a look at the capital. The, the capital is gorgeous in its structure. Uh, I've color-coded it for us in order to discern. So let's first take a look at the structure of this particular capital. I see there's one or two more people in the waiting room. Okay, um, Let's take a look first at the structure of the capital. Although, although it's uh, sometimes a little bit boring to look at the literary structures, as they call it, of particular kapitlach, 
it really helps and enhances our understanding of the parak. So here we find in the yellow on top, that is what we call the koteret. That is the caption or the header for the particular parak. Every parak in Tehillim, uh, let me correct myself, almost every parak in Tehillim has a koteret, has a chapter heading like this. And we're familiar with the words lamanatseach, mizmor lidavid. And different sirufim, different combinations of of, uh, of words, Lamanat Seach, Mizmor Ledavid, Mizmor Shir, Liyom HaShabbos, those are all the Kotarot as we discussed in the first few Shiurim when we introduced Sefer Tehillim. So the Kotarot here is Lamanat Seach for the conductor, ostensibly for the Levi, after this was composed by David HaMelech, for the Levite that was in charge of directing the choir, Lamanat Seach, Mizmor Ledavid, which helps us understand very clearly that the subject of this particular capital, uh, the subject and the speaker is David HaMelech. There is, as we'll see in a second, there is a, a little bit of discussion and confusion amongst the Mepharshim as to who exactly or where exactly in David's life that this particular kapitel was written. But nearly all commentaries agree that this kapitel of Tehillim is associated with going out to war. Now, whether or not it was a war that Yoav, David Amelech's general, was in charge of, as is the opinion of Rashi, or that it was David HaMelech himself going out to war, which is the opinion of the Malbim, the Radak, and the Ibn Ezra. So this is surely referring to David HaMelech. The red part is a request for divine intervention, a request for divine help, uh, calling out to God, sitting in your, in your tank, sitting in your armored vehicle, and saying, God help me, I don't know what's, I don't know what's waiting for us on the other side of, uh, of that fence. Uh, to be sure, we, uh, we got a call the next day, uh, just to put a coda to that story, which I started, we got a call the next day and everything was mechuzlash, which is a Hebrew word, chazlash, chazaralish, shigra. Everything was uh, back to normal and we, ev- everything, kipul, it took a day to pack everything up and we eventually, uh, we eventually head back to Ramallah. Um, we're doing Tehillim, we are doing Tehillim Perak Chaf as it says uh, over here on the top of the screen, Tehillim Perak Chaf, chapter 20. So, David HaMelech calls out to God. This is the call. Ya'ancha Hashem biyom tsara yisagevcha sheim Elohe Yaakov. May Hashem answer us in a time of pain and distress. Yisagevcha. From the Lashon, there's a beautiful word. Segev. Misgav. Uh, to rise above, to transcend. God should help us transcend this very moment. Sheim Elohe Yaakov. The God in the name of Jacob. And we'll see exactly. We have a lot of stuff that we'll see, but I want to walk us through the structure of the capital first. Why Yaakov? Why not Elokei Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov? Yishlach Ezrecha Mikodesh Umitzion Yisadecha. Verse 3, May God send His help, His sanctified holy help, and, and sustain and support us from Zion, which was the headquarters. Wherever the army went, they were going out from Zion, just like Torah. Zion Yisadecha, Sa'ad, when it comes to war, is actually a halachic term. The Rambam talks about that those that are chosrim in Marachas Machama, those that go home from the battlefield for whatever reason, their job is to be tomchei Their job is to provide sa'ad, to provide sustenance or provisions for the soldiers out at the front. So Zion is not just the place from which Torah emanates, but it's the place from which battlefield support emanates. It is the headquarters. Next, the capital turns to the reasons why God should answer David HaMelech and those who go out to war and be indeed their Ezer, the Ezer Mitzion, Ezrecha Mitkodesh, Umitzion Yisadecha. 
Why is that? So he said there is very good reason for David HaMelech to enjoy divine support. Why? May God remember all the menachos, all the sacrifices that David HaMelech gave. And the fact that David HaMelech sustained God by giving sacrifices. May God Almighty give to you as your heart desires. Eitzah over here doesn't just mean giving advice. Eitzah, atzasam, atzasam is a reference to military machinations, battle plans, eitzos for milchama, atzasam, right? We say it, atzasam hafer, that we ask God to annul the decrees and to annul the, the battle plans of our enemies. So we want God to give our battle plans to be successful. God, we have praised you. We have been miranin. We have sung your praises in your salvation. And the banner that we carry out toward Nidgol from the Shoresh of Degel, that we've carried out the banner of God toward Yemale Hashem Kol Mishalos May Hashem fulfill everything that we request. And now, what is incredible is ostensibly the battle hasn't happened yet, but we're already certain of God's salvation. And in the third part of the parak, in the third part of the capital, we are already, David Amelech is already thanking God. And how do we know that David Amelech would do such a thing? Well, fair enough. David HaMelech is a person that was always trusting in Hashem's salvation, in Hashem answering his tefillot. That's what bitachon, bitachon is faith in practice, it's reliance on God. And David HaMelech himself said, Closely related to this particular capital Tehillim, and uh, what we say at Shacharis every day with Hodu. Right, I always trusted in your salvation. And now David Melch is foreseeing a successful future. Now I've known that God Almighty is going to save his anointed. That's David. He will answer us from his holy abode with strength. He will, he will give us salvation with God's arm of strength. They come with tanks, or chariots, or what have you, with suicide vests, whatever they come with, with susim, with their, with their worldly accoutrements of battle. But, oh, I, I forgot to take out the, the Yudke Vavke. I will afterwards in case anybody prints this. Please don't print this yet. If you were, I don't know if anybody was considering printing anything I put out. But if you were going to print it, please hold off and I will amend so that there's no shame Havaya on it. But Eila Barechev, Eila Basusim, they come with their horses and chariots. And we recall the name of God, they fell bent to their knees. And we arise triumphant. God Almighty should save us and God Almighty should answer us on the day we call out. So, just through a translation and focusing on the words and the structure, again, the koteret in yellow, the request in red, the support for the request in blue, and the thanks in advance 
to God in the green at the end. This is a very tightly compacted uh, parak of Tehillim. It's interesting that uh, we've mentioned a few times the Sefer Shimush Tehillim, uh, a Geonic work, an unattributed Geonic work from the 9th century that tells us what particular kapitel of Tehillim were to be used for. Interestingly enough, this particular kapitel has an association that is far different than the association with war, is the association with, uh, with giving birth. Apparently, according to Shemush Tehillim, this particular chapter of Tehillim is auspicious for a woman experiencing the nine months of pregnancy, which is why it has nine verses, nine verses corresponding to nine months of pregnancy. And that apparently for time immemorial, uh, this particular kapitel was recited as a special segula for women that were uh, experiencing a pregnancy, difficult or otherwise. And during the pregnancy, it would be recited. We also have other uh, talismanic, uh, I, I hate to use that word, but we have other siguli, as you'll say, other special uh, usages of this particular capital. I have to introduce you to uh, a very unique character. Um, and because I could share my screen with you, I could do it right now. Um, so this individual over here, so this is Rabbi Moshe Yaakov Ribikov Hakohen, also known as the Sandler, the Cobbler. Um, he was not a rabbi. He was, uh, look at his face. Uh, it's important to look at the faces of tzaddikim. Uh, and it's important to, uh, to believe in tzaddikim. And uh, the sandler, the cobbler, as he was known, was a, a very special figure during the early years uh, of the state of Israel and before the state of Israel. The Chazan Ish, Rav Ram Yishayel Karelitz, uh, who was the undisputed leader of Lithuanian Jewry in Bnei Brak, would send people to the Sandler and is reported to have told people that he was one of the 36 hidden tzaddikim, the Lamed Vav tzaddikim uh, that sustained the world. And we also have a testimony from Rav Ari Levine, the tzaddik of Yerushalayim, who reports that Rav Kook, his Rebbe, told him that the Sandler was one of the Lamed Vav tzaddikim. The Sandler was a Kabbalist. Uh, this is uh, from an auction, a picture of him and, uh, and his death notice in 1966. Um, this is, just look at that face. Uh, this was a Sandler. He was, uh, he was, he earned a meager living as a, as a cobbler. He fixed shoes. Um, but he also was a Kabbalist of note. He pointed this particular capital of Tehillim. I've highlighted a few of them, but the Sandler points out that in this particular capital of Tehillim, we find six times, I've highlighted uh, three of them, we find six times the Gematria 112 corresponding to the word Yabuk, Yud Bet Kuf. And uh, I'll just spend two minutes on this and then we'll go back uh, to our more uh, pedestrian, my, my more pedestrian understanding of this capital. But let me walk you through why the Sandler pointed to the specialness of this. Maver Yabuk. So we said over here, Yisagev HaShem Elokei Yaakov. Why not Shem Elokei Avram Yitzchak Yaakov? There are forefathers also. It seems that Yaakov has a close association with battle. Yaakov has a close association with what it means for Jews to go out to battle. We know famously in Perak Lamed Beis that Yaakov Avinu goes out to finally meet his brother Esav and he is fully prepared for war. Rashi says that Yaakov prepares for war uh, actually in three ways. That he prepares with Doron Tfila and finally for Milchama. That Yaakov prepares himself for diplomacy. Uh, for giving Esav, uh, hopefully to stay off Esav's anger and his animosity towards Yaakov, that Yaakov Avinu tries diplomacy. Then there's tefillah, to daven, to say kapitluch of Tehillim before you go out to battle. Finally, a Jew is prepared to do battle. Finally, a Jew is prepared to, uh, to, to become involved militarily if we need be. 
And Yaakov is seen as the forebearer of that. I uh, put my notes in the bottom here so you could see how the sausage of this shear gets made. Um, in my notes over here, I uh, quoted the Pasuk. I think it's important to see the Pasuk. Um, the Medrash in Yalkut Shimoni says this question. I'm going to highlight it over here. And uh, actually, I'll make it a little bit bigger for us so it's easier to see. Um, and you could see what I wrote in the footnote. The Medrash Yalkut Shimoni tells us the following. Elokei Avram, Elokei Yitzchak, Engsivkan, Elokei Yaakov. Why doesn't it say anybody else but Yaakov? Afkan nemer Yaakov. Yaakov Avinu said in that chapter, in chapter Lamed, hey, much later, after, after Esav, after the battle with Shechem, Yaakov Avinu says, God Almighty is lekel haone osi biyom tsarasi. God answered me, in my distress. Now, does that sound familiar? Yan Chashem Biyom Tzara. David Amelch is directly referencing Yaakov Avinu over here. David Amelch is, rep- is, is directly referencing the archetype of a Jew going out to battle by, by, by citing directly from the Torah. Yaakov Avinu's response to God after having been victorious and successful in battle, immediately thereafter, Yaakov tells his family, Take out the idols from amongst your midst. David said to Jewish people, He who answered Yaakov Avinu in the time of his distress, military distress, Hashem 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 should answer you in this time of tzara. And I pointed out in my notes over here, one day I'm going to write this up in a book form at some point. But Yaakov Avinu says this two other times. He met his brother Esav, and Rashi says that was the model of all war. And then afterwards, there was the model of the battle with uh, a retributive war that Yaakov was quite upset with, uh, with Levi with Levi and Shimon taking uh, vengeance against Shechem. So we do find that model. What was the river that Yaakov Avinu crossed in order to fight the Sar Shal Esav? Well, in order to prepare for the battle, Yaakov Avinu crosses the Mavar Yabok. Yaakov Avinu crosses over the Yabok River. And that is when Yaakov Avinu remembers that he left certain things behind. He crosses back over the Yabok River and there he fights and has the uh, again, archetypical war with the Saroshal Esav, modeling all subsequent battles. So we find the word Yabok and its gematria of 112 buried all over this, just nine verses buried in here. It can't be an accident. Again, Yancha Hashem Biyom Tzara is the first one. Yud, and then the He that you see over here is really Yud Kevavke. So Yud, and then He and Sadi is Kuf and Bez, gematria 112. Again, over here, Yanei Mishmei Kadsho, Bigvuros, Yeshi Mino, Yesha, Yud, Beis, Bigvuros, Kadsho, Yabok. Again, at the end of the capital, Hashem Hoshia Melech Ya'aneinu, Biyom Kareinu, Yabok, Mavar Yabok. Furthermore, the Sandler pointed out, as is reported, the Sandler pointed out that this Gematria of 112 is especially significant because we have two primary names of God. And I promise I'll stop with the Gematria is the names of God in a second. You could listen to my brother if you want more of that. But, uh, uh, but it's, it's beyond my ken. But when you combine the name of God as relates to Teva, the Shem Elohim, Aleph Lamed, Hey, Yud, and then Mem, and you combine that, that has Gematria of 86, and you combine that with the Tetragrammaton, which is Yud Ke Vav Ke, which is a, a Gematria of 26, 86 plus 26 is 112. 
Yabok is Gematria 112. It seems that the only person we can rely upon when we're crossing over our own Mavar Yabok, when we're crossing over our own rivers to face our deepest enemies, whether they're internal or metaphysical or they're physical enemies, when we cross that Mavar Yabok, the only thing that we can rely upon, V'anachnu b'shem Hashem Nazkir, that we can rely only upon calling out in the names of Hashem, Elokim and Yudke Vavke, Gematria 112, just like the Mavar Yabok, just like the river that we cross over here. So that was the statement of the Sandler uh, in understanding this particular capital. Let's just look at his face again. Tovli Stakel al Tzadikim. So that's the Sandler of Moshe Yaakov Ribikov, the Sandler, the holy Sandler of Tel Aviv, and, um, and uh, just an incredible figure. There's not much written about him in English. Um, a number of the Haredi websites, uh, I think Bechadre Hadarim, had a long, beautiful article about him. Uh, just a figure. These figures are abound in the Jewish world. It's just important to us to uncover them uh, with all the people that make so much noise. So we, we lose these hidden Tzadikim, Maybe that's by design. They want to be hidden. Uh, one more thing, uh, from a halachic perspective, uh, when we were when we were getting ready to go out, or really to any to anything. So a question I got a lot is, were you uh, ever afraid? So besides that moment, not because I'm some big, powerful, strong guy, but because I was 18 years old. And when you're 18, you're not afraid of anything because you think you're going to live forever. So one of the things that people had asked. So I was also a. Um, it says my internet connection is unstable. Can everybody hear me? Those that have... Okay. So one of the things that I would respond because I needed to show everybody how much Torah I knew because I was insecure in that also was I would cite the Rambam, uh, Maimonides, in Hilchos Malachim Wilchamos Perak Zayin. So he cites the following halacha, which I would tell people uh, when they ask the question, are you afraid? I'd say it's against halacha. A soldier is not allowed to be afraid because Anachnu B'Shem Hashem Naskir. We go out with the name of God to battle. The Kohen Meshuach Mohammed, the Kohen that would lead the people out to battle, would announce. He would make certain announcements before they went out to battle. He would say things, for example, like, Who is the person who is fearful and is of soft heart? They should go back from the battlefield, go back to Zion and be a Tomech Lechima. You may not go out to battle. It's against Halacha. The Rambam. Uh, codifies this. Who is the person that is soft-hearted and a fearful? That's as it's meant to be understood, says the Rambam. This person does not have the mental fortitude to go out to battle. After a person goes out to war, then they rely on Hashem at this time of distress, it's almost as if our entire capital of Tehillim is being codified in this particular Rambam. You're afraid of going out to battle? Good. Leave the battlefield. You're, you're on the battlefield? Now look at that parak of Tehillim and know what you're saying and know, what's, know what you're internalizing before you go out to war. Know who's Degel. Know, what, know that you're carrying the Degel that is, that, that, that is the name of Hashem and the Jewish people when you go out to battle. And you may not fear. V'yeda. Shal yichud Hashemu osa that by doing this battle, you're doing it for the unifi- unification of God's name. This has 
echoes back to what the Sandler is saying, that Yichud, Yichud Hashem, the Rambam, was not a Kabbalist. The Rambam didn't see the Zohar, um, despite what some people say. The Rambam was not directly referring to this, but it's all Torah, Hashem, Temim, it all goes together. The Rambam does not waste words, and the Rambam doesn't, uh, doesn't put words where they don't belong. I believe that the Yichud Hashem over here that the Rambam is referring to is the same Yichud Hashem that maybe the Sandler is referring to in his commentary and his understanding of the name Yabuk, which appears here, the, the Rubicon, going outside the wire, going past the, the gates of the Mutsav, of the battlements, uh, going up over the trench, whatever it is when a soldier goes to confront the front and to go into battle, whatever house and whatever door you kick down and whatever village you enter, you're going al Yichud Hashem, you're crossing the Yabok, Elohim and Havaya, the unification of God's names. Yichud Hashem Muhammad, the Yasim Nafsha Bekapo. My mind, he says, you put your soul in your hands. Don't think of your family. Take them out and know that you have a battle. Turn away from everything and know that you're doing war. The Ramam is basing himself off of this Pasuk. Pasuk says in Dvarim Chav Gimel, the words of the Mishul Yisrael. There's another Shema. It's the Shema of going out to battle, the voices of war, the voices or the silence of soldiers before they go out to war, which is where you could really hear God in that silence. When you're sitting in your armored vehicles, not sure if tomorrow you enter into Gaza, then nobody knows what's behind that fence. Nobody knows what's waiting for you, what kind of IEDs or what kind of anti-tank missiles. Nobody knows what's there. So when you have that silence, you could start to listen to other things. When you have that silence and you're reciting your Tehillim, or you're looking at your, your segula, or you're thinking about what your, life's, your life is worth. So in that silence is the same silence that we hear Hashem every day, hopefully, during our Kriyas Shema, when we cover our eyes and we try and block out the world in order to hear HaKadosh Baruch Hu a little bit. Shema Yisrael, atem kreivim ayom l'molcham You're getting ready to go out to battle today against your enemies. Al yeirach levavchem. Don't let your hearts become soft. Al tiro, don't be afraid. Al tichbazu, don't be seized up with fear. Al tarzumit nehem, and don't be intimidated by them. This was what the Kohen Meshulch Muhammad would declare and would say to people, and the Rambam codified that as halacha. The Rambam codified that as his understanding of this particular uh, law of the Isser of fear in times of Muhammad. And that's what I think is exactly the point or the purpose of this particular capital. I want to show you two more things. I did promise that there wasn't going to be um, any more... Um, any more Kabbalah necessarily because it's not my forte. Um, but, uh, but also if you pay close attention, you'll see over here that there, are, uh, that there are 70, you know, we'll save this for another time. Let's, uh, let's take a look at one or two more things. So we find over here, uh, So just to look at my notes real quickly. So he says that we could see over here that David HaMelech is, is being makdim. I am going ahead and I'm, I'm being makdim. I trust so in God's salvation that even before the battle has begun, I know that God will save me. 
Atiyadati, I already knew that God would save his anointed. And this is the kind of confidence that soldiers need to go out to battle. That every battle you go out to, if you're going to go out to battle, that it's going to be a battle that's won. If it's not a battle that you're certain of winning, then then it's not a battle that's worth going out for in the first place. We have to be certain and trusting in the Yeshua of Hashem and the salvation of Hashem. That in in this sense that there is uh, that there is the ideological battle of every war comes to the fore. Knowing that the person that fights our wars ultimately is is not the strength and the power of our own hands, but that it's something different. It's that God fights our wars. That God is the one who... I missed... Uh, there were people in the waiting room. I'm sorry. That God was the one who fights our wars. That God is the one who, who gives salvation to the Jewish people. And, and it's not just the battle of but it's a battle of ideologies of who's the person that fights the wars for them. Who's the person that goes out to us in battle. That God is the one, as we say in the as we say in the Tefillah, the God is the one that goes out to fight battles. It's not the strength and not the, not the military hardware. We could have plenty of susim and rechavos also. And rechavim too, that's not going to be the decisive factor. That David HaMelech is also communicating in this particular capital the most important military advice for the Jewish soldier. You could have airplanes, you could have tanks, you could have the most sophisticated military technology in the world. And certainly, Baruch Hashem, we have been afforded the ability to have them in the modern state of Israel to protect Jews. But that's not exactly what wins the battle. It's Anachnu B'Shem Hashem Nazkir, that we remind ourselves, we recall the name of God when we go out to battle. Uh, maybe it's true there are no atheists in a foxhole, certainly not in a Jewish foxhole, uh, as I saw personally, as I witnessed personally. So as we enter into, uh, into Yom HaZikaron, and as we, uh, as we think of the upcoming holidays, we recognize uh, that uh, I think uh, one of the most important things, that we are, in a sense, living Tanakh again. We're living these psukim. These psukim take on new meaning uh, for Jewish soldiers that haven't gone out to battle since, uh, since the battles recorded in Tanakh. And that these psukim have become alive again and have become uh, filled with new vibrancy and new meaning that people can still, nowadays, 2,000 years later, carry out the flag, B'Shem Hashem Nidgol, carry out the flag with Shem Havaya and Shem Elokim together uh, just, because, uh, just because I... Uh, I, w- I want us to, uh, to leave on a good note. We're just going to go look at the Sandler one more time, um, just because it's important to see it. Sadik. So here's the Sandler one more time. Hopefully when we look at Laman Atzeach from now on in our, uh, in our Shachris, so when we go ahead and experience this, we'll never quite look at this particular capital ever again quite the same way. Um, thank you all so much for